Let me encourage you this morning to find your sermon notes. You can follow along as we go. Uh, I added the fill-in-the-blank component uh, today. Some of you are nostalgic about that. I used to do that many years ago. So you get extra credit if you get all the answers right before I actually say them. A special surprise for you at the end of the service, so turn in your papers. <clears throat> Sounds like school, doesn't it? So our, our title, Sundays Can Surprise You. This may come as a shock to some of you, but not everyone loves going to church on Sunday morning. I know that's a shock. A shock to me. In fact, there was a time when I really didn't like Sundays very much uh, because my family always went to church. Every single Sunday, even on the farm, when the crops were, were needing to be harvested, we would still go to church. Uh, and I know there are people like that as well where they don't like to go to church for all kinds of different reasons. There was uh, one person I remember and he was telling me the story that one morning he told his mother. He said, I don't want to go to church today. And she said, well, we're going to church. And he said, I really don't want to go to church today. And she, she said to him, well, give me two reasons why you don't want to go to church today. And he said, well, first of all, nobody at church likes me. And secondly, I don't like them either. And she said, well, I'll give you two good reasons why you will go to church today. First of all, you are 45 years old. <coughs> and you should have grown up enough by now so that other people's feelings don't affect you so much. Number two, you're the pastor, so... You really ought to go, don't you think? It's no surprise that in America today, Sunday is not the day that it once was. At one time, most of our country would be in a place of worship on a Sunday morning. It was the norm. You took a day off. You rested. You were refreshed by the Word of God and by His sacrament. You were refueled so that you could have a great week and truly a great life. So why is it that we don't like Sundays very much anymore here in America? I don't know that the reasons have changed much from when I was growing up to today. Here are a few of those, why people don't like Sundays. A lot of people will tell me, well, you know, Pastor, Sundays are boring. They're just boring at church. We could be doing all kinds of other things. We could go to the lake, or we can go to the mountains, or we can, go, we can go and watch a ball game, or our kids are involved in sports. So we get that kind of a reason all the time. Number two, Sunday's a rat race. I can relate a little bit to this. When I was growing up, we had seven of us in one bathroom trying to get ready in the morning. It's a bit of a rat race. You've got to get everybody in and out. You got to get everybody ready. There's breakfast. You wolf that down. You get in the car. You drive to church. You're fighting along the way. Your siblings are, are antagonizing you. They are annoying you. The parents are trying to keep everybody in, in line. And then miraculously, when you get to the parking lot, you are all healed and you are sent, right? It's a rat race. It can be a real challenge, especially if you have small children, just to get here. And if it's an hour or two hours, if you're doing Sunday school as well, 
it can be a real challenge. For some, Sundays is a disappointment. You know, the message didn't really hit me this week, or I didn't get enough out of it, or, you know, they they don't have donuts today. I am truly, truly disappointed. Or they're, they're awkward. It can be awkward from time to time. You know, there's, there's uh, in our country today, there's, there's divorce and there are, there are families that aren't together like they once were. Maybe you're that child and this is your week to be with the parent that you aren't normally with and, and either they go to church or they don't go to church and it just becomes a very awkward situation. Or maybe Sunday is full of conflict. There's that person that you have been feuding with. And then you see them at church. Now, thankfully, here at Emmanuel, this doesn't happen a lot, but we don't have contentious meetings very often. But I know there are churches that do, and, and there, are, there are issues in the church that, that divide us. And then you see that person, and, and your, your blood pressure goes up because you know an argument is going to ensue. And these are just a smattering. Maybe you have your own reasons why from time to time you have not enjoyed Sundays very much. Well, here's the good news for today. That's not how Sundays were ever meant to be. It's not what God has intended. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God intended for Sundays to be the very best day of the week. At the bottom of your notes, you can take a look at our memory verse for today, and I will quiz you next week, so be prepared. David said, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This was King David. He said this about 4,000 years ago, but he's not the only one who has said this over the centuries. During my time growing up, 50, 60 years ago, as I mentioned before, it was the norm for people to be in God's house. I want to give you just a a few statistics. They may not mean a lot to you in just the, the actual numbers, but I think you can see the contrast. So in 1968, I'm 10 years old, 91% of America identified as Christian. 91%. Today, it's gone down, but not truly significantly. 75% of Americans today identify as Christian. So pretty close, 16% decline. But here's the kicker. Back in 1968, 69% of all Americans, so 91% said they are Christian, but 69% were in worship regularly. Now today, if you were to ask what is regular worship, the average Christian, the average churchgoer, would say once a month. Once a month. The average pastor in America today would say regular worship is twice a month. I'm not the average pastor. (laughs) And I think God still says that Regular worship is weekly, every Sunday, every Sabbath that God has set aside. Now, a few other things that we might want to, to understand is that, is that 50, 60 years ago, 
people in America were much happier than they are today. There was a lot more hope in America than there is today. There was a lot more peace in America up until the late 60s than there is today. Now, as we take a look at all of this, we see that God always has a plan. He has a rhythm. He has a pattern. So Genesis chapter 2, we know the story. In the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For six days, God worked. And then on the seventh, he looked at everything that he had made, and he said, behold, it is very good. And then God rested. He blessed that day, the Sabbath, which was then a Saturday, because Sunday is the very first day of the week. And he made it holy. In other words, he set it aside for all of his people because on that day he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So did God need to rest? The answer is no, of course not. God does not need to rest. So why did he rest? Because he wanted to set an example for all of us. So we're going to take a look at some reasons why God created the Sabbath, which is now Sunday, the first day of the week, because it is the day that our Lord rose from the grave. I don't know about you, but I need rest. How many of you uh, slept zero hours last night? Anybody? I feel sorry for you if you didn't get any sleep. How many of you got seven or more hours of sleep? Raise your hand. Uh, some of you, that's good. That is what scientists say we ought to get, seven to eight hours of sleep every night. Now, I have this handy-dandy little Fitbit. How many of you have something like this or an Apple Watch or something that monitors your sleep patterns? I do, and I, and I know that if I don't get my seven to eight hours of sleep, I'm going to be a little crabby the next morning. And it also tells me not just how, how long I was in the bed in the prone position lying down, but how many minutes and hours I actually slept. So for me, I have to be in bed about nine hours to get eight hours of sleep. You know, you get older and you wake up sometimes and, you know, you have to go back to sleep. It is exactly the same plan. God knows we need our rest. He knows we're going to be a little crabby. We're going to be a little tired. We are not going to be productive if we don't get our seven or eight hours of sleep. But he also knows that you can't work seven days a week. You need one day of rest. And not just recreation, but rest. To be refueled, to reflect on all the blessings that God has given. To spend time with family in our loved one, to re-engage, to reconnect with one another. And certainly, we need time to worship. Spend an hour or so with the Lord, giving him the praise that he deserves. So we need the rest, but also our life, my life, certainly goes better when I Sabbath, when I take a day out of the work week. Now you say, well, pastor, you work on Sundays. Well, you see, I don't work the rest of the week, so, you know, I can work one. But you, you, you need a day off. A few more statistics. Now, this is all recorded, so you can get them later if you don't write them down. Did you know that the average person who goes to church regularly lives seven and a half years longer than the one who doesn't? And you say you don't have enough time to go to church. 
You'll live seven and a half years longer if you went to church 50 Sundays a year and spent two hours, not just one, but two hours, you would give up about one year of your life. Do the math, people, right? Life goes better. We live longer. We're 56% more optimistic. That's why I'm such a positive guy. We're 39% less depressed. Those who go to church regularly, their marriage is far better, 35%. Of those who go to church, we have less chance of being divorced. And on and on and on it goes. Here's one in which I, I hesitate to even mention because we get uh, all askew by this. Those who regularly go to worship make 9.1% more money. And it's not because of the prosperity gospel. It's simply because their priorities are in order. So my life goes better. My Monday goes better when I Sabbath. What is it? Thank God it's Friday. Uh, I don't know what you say on Monday. It's not a good acronym, I'm sure. And why is that? Because so many of us are exhausted. We did not take our day of rest, but instead we either worked seven days or we took two days of recreation, running the kids to all the different things, to the, to the travel things, the sports things. The, we were at the lake. We were in the mountains. We were, we were uh, RVing, whatever it might be, and we are so exhausted for, from trying to relax that when we get to work on Monday, we are even more exhausted, and so the cycle goes on and on and on. My family does better when we Sabbath. Now, I said earlier that, you know, I, I admit there are times when I really didn't want to go to church on Sunday. Uh, in particular, when I, when I graduated from college, and I was teaching in a Lutheran high school, so I knew better, but I wasn't connected. I was connected to the staff and the faculty at my school. We had devotions every morning during the school year. But on Sundays, it took me a while to find a new church home. I wasn't the pastor. I wasn't on the staff there. So I tried several different churches. And yet everywhere that I went, I would be new. Some of you have had that experience. Even here. Now, for a lot of you, that was a long time ago. But for a lot of people, it is new. And when you go to a new place, if the atmosphere isn't warm and friendly and inviting, like I hope Emmanuel is, then it's a little bit awkward. Now, for me also, I grew up in the era of TLH. Anybody remember what TLH stands for? The Lutheran Hymnal, right? Published in 1941, I believe. What do we have when we, when we use the, the, purple, the purple hymnals? What's that called? LSB, Lutheran Service Book. In between, we had Lutheran Worship, LW. I didn't know the hymnal. I didn't know the hymns. Everything was new. And yet, when I went and finally got connected, things went so much better. Now, again, I'll admit, if we're doing uh, 
confession here this morning. There were times when I was a child I did not like going to church. Now, Ruth knows this as she went to the same church I did. We had a little country church, a little white frame church. And my family, you'll remember, uh, we were almost always late. I don't know, you know, where that comes from. I don't know where I get that, but it's a family thing. So there were seven of us. We would come, come in, and we had all pews, and we would come in, and we would sit on the left side facing the altar. So here come the Timons. They're all late. Uh, th- I was a little embarrassed by that. I didn't always like that so much. But the worst part was that I actually had to pay attention. Now, for a full hour. Now, I know we're, we're, you're, some of you are going, oh, we're getting close. Yeah, all right. We're getting close to that. It was a full hour, and I have to admit, there were a couple of pastors in the tenure there that uh, were not the most, uh, let's say, animated individuals. We had a joke among my little my buddies there when we were in high school. How do you know if the pastor is alive? His lips are moving. So, you know, I hope you don't say that about me here, but I know that wasn't nice. We're doing true confession here. You can do absolution for me if you like. But this is what I know. Even when I didn't pay attention, even when I was an usher in high school, and there we had a nice wall bigger than this one, kind of like at the old historic church, with doors there. I would sit in the back in the pews with the other high school ushers, and we would talk about uh, the football game on Friday night or who was dating whom or what happened in the summer baseball game or whatever it was. And we didn't always pay attention to the sermon. And I didn't feel bad about that because my buddies were the pastor's kids. So, I don't know, my, my guys probably do the same thing. But I know this, my family does better. The values that we learned at that church in studying the catechism and going to Sunday school, at that Lutheran day school, the things that are imprinted on your heart, even if you don't get all of it, even if some of it goes over your head or in one ear and out the other, a lot of it sticks. And so it did with me. And even growing up, even though my poor wife had to deal with all the kids while I was up here most every Sunday, the values, the Word of God, the truly important eternal things will stick. Our families do far better when we regularly Sabbath. And finally, the most important, my eternity goes better when I Sabbath. Now we all know that just going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Nor does just going to church get you into heaven. And honestly, candidly, that's really not the point. So often, way too often in the church, we talk about heaven and eternity when we should be talking about the kingdom, which is right here and now. Because eternity was from way back here, and it goes all the way to over here, and it never, ever ends in either direction. But we are somewhere in here, aren't we? And this is the only thing that we can live, and that is in the moment. God wants you to love Sunday because God loves you. We worship on Sunday mornings because that is the day in which our Savior rose from the grave. We worship on Sunday mornings to hear every single week that we are sinners because sometimes we forget 
I don't know that we ever forget, but we need to be reminded, don't we, of the consequences of our sin. So often we just gloss over it and we live the life that we do and we don't think about the consequences. It's why we make that confession every Sunday. To help us realize that there is punishment for sin. But God has taken it upon himself. And that's why we have that cross front and center. You'd be reminded again how much God loved us, that he would send his son Jesus in the flesh to be a human being, to observe not only the Sabbath law, but every single law God has ever given, because we have not. And in living that perfect life, and then going to that sacrifice, we can have that relationship with God that, yes, will end in heaven, but has already begun in our past and continues right now in the present. My eternity, my present, my life goes better when I Sabbath, when I'm reminded that even when I don't keep the Sabbath, even when I stray, even when I err, when I sin, when God's word goes in one ear and out the other, or over my head, or I'm not paying attention, or I'm distracted, in spite of all of that, my God still loves me and died for me. So over these next four weeks, starting next week, we're going to go into a little bit more detail about how you and I and all of us together can make the Sabbath Sunday the very best day of the week. First of all, simply decide. Just like you did this morning, you decided that you were coming to worship today. And you probably decided yesterday, or maybe even before that, or maybe it is automatic, which is the best. My grandmother every single Saturday. Even when she was a widow, when she was in her 80s, she lived right across the street from the Lutheran Church in Alma, Missouri. And every Saturday night, she would put out the dress that she was going to wear to church the next morning. Back in the day when you wore your best. And that blue dress would be hanging there on her chair. And her necklace would be ready there on the bureau. She would have her envelope for the offering tucked into her Bible, which she would bring the next morning. And that's exactly how we found her on the Sunday morning that she had died, when she didn't show up at church for probably the first time in decades. She had decided that Saturday and every Saturday that she would spend Sunday morning in Sabbath with the Lord. So first of all, decide, and secondly, invest. Invest in your Sunday. Jesus once said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He was talking about money, but it it applies to every area of life, doesn't it? What you invest in, what you spend your time on, 
That is what becomes important, and that is what brings dividends to your life. So this is what we're going to do. I want you today to take a step, and maybe you've already taken all of these, and this is just redundant for you, but if you have not in this order, number one, know that those who can make Sunday the very best day of the week will do these things. First of all, they attend regularly. Whatever regularly is for you, for me, it's every single week. Number two, they have a place where they serve in the church. Begin, if you aren't coming regularly, come regularly. If you are coming regularly, find a place to serve as an usher, a greeter, singing in the choir, being a reader, whatever it might be, working in the, in the, in the child care, serve in the church. Number three, they develop at least six friendships with other members of the church. It was, it's why it was so hard for me when I was a young adult. I didn't have any friends other than those that I worked with at the school. You know what it takes to make a friend? You know this. Be a friend, right? Well, I don't know anybody there. Well, start to get to know them. Befriend them. Help them. Serve them. You'll have all kinds of friends. Number four, call the church my church. I know when you're new, it's the, the, the way that it goes is your church. You know, Pastor, I like your church. Well, make it my church. Number five, they give consistently, whatever that might be. Because, again, what you are invested in, that is what becomes important. Number, number six, they invite others to their church. As you become invested, and you know what a great place that this is, that the Lord is living and active, that the word of God is being preached, that lives are truly being transformed, then you want others to have what you have already. I'll close with this. And some of you thought you were getting a short sermon today. Sorry. I've used this analogy in weddings before, so some of you maybe have heard this. Back in the day, when you could go to the airport and go to the gates, unlike today where we have all the security. There was, a, there was a man, and he was going to pick up his friend. There he was at the gate, and he sees a stranger coming by, but he was intrigued because of the interaction of the man and his family. He found his little six-year-old son, and he threw him up in the air, and he caught him, and he said, I just love you so much. It is so great to see you again. And then he went to his wife, and she had like a one or one-and-a-half-year-old. And he hugged that little one, and he said, I've missed you so, so much. And then he had a 12-year-old, and he patted him on the head, and he goes, Zach, I've missed you so much. You know, you're the man of the family when I'm gone. I'm so proud of you. Uh, you've taken care of everyone else. And then he said, I've saved the best for last. And he hugged his wife, and he gave her a huge, passionate sloppy, wet kiss. And so the man observing, he couldn't help himself, and he goes, I don't think I've ever seen a reunion quite like that. How long have the two of you been married? And the stranger said, oh, we've been married for 14 years now. Wow. That is absolutely amazing. So how long have you been apart? 
And you had this tremendous reunion where you kissed everyone and hugged them, and, and it's like you haven't seen them forever. And he goes, oh, two whole days. Two whole days. He said, I hope that I could have a relationship like that. And the man said, friend, don't hope. You want the best life that you could ever possibly have. That relationship with like-minded people, the connection with the group of folks who are transforming lives through the light of Jesus Christ in that relationship with your Savior that he desires for you not just to be saved, but to walk with him every day of the week, to be used by him to make a difference in the world, and decide and invest in the Sabbath. So, my friends, God loves Sundays, and he wants you to love them too. I hope you will. I hope you do. And I hope that you will share that love with others. Amen. Amen.